of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV broadcasts from, Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and their elders, past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from freshwater to saltwater. Yama, and welcome to NITV Radio. Coming up in your program this Friday, the 3rd of February, we first explore Connecting to Country, a deadly event that will see Rugby League Indigenous All-Stars flock to Kimbawali Aboriginal Centre for Excellence to connect and engage with the largest urban Aboriginal community in New South Wales this weekend. In your program today, we also bring you a story about a new plan recently announced by the Federal Government for the Arts and Culture. The new plan is not just another plan, it's one that gives preeminence to First Nations cultures and knowledges. And from overseas, we look at a landmark class action in Canada that will see the Canadian government pay $2.8 billion in compensation to the country's First Nations survivors of the residential schools system. All this and many more coming to you after the latest news on NITV Radio. Bertrand Tungandamingaya. I am Bertrand Tungandami. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy erected outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. This bulletin, Indigenous leaders to travel to Canberra to engage MPs on voice to Parliament next week. The National Cabinet meets to address the country's healthcare system. And Australia finalises details on nuclear submarines with a major announcement expected next month. delegation of Indigenous leaders from around the country will travel to Canberra when Parliament resumes to push MPs on a constitutionally enshrined voice. Leaders from Cape York, Inner Sydney, Goldburn Murray and the Kimberley seek to meet with members from all sides of politics next week. It comes as the government is accused of deliberately withholding detail on the voice for political reasons. Speaking to the Nine Network, opposition leader Peter Dutton accused the Prime Minister of withholding details as a deliberate strategy. We want to see the health gaps uh, narrow, we want to see the life expectancy uh, uh, improve and we you know, are willing to look at any measure to do that. There are lots of questions around the voice lots of detail uh, that hasn't yet been provided. It's obviously a political strategy by the PM not to put that detail out but I think the pressure continues for him to put it out so that people can make an informed decision. Australia's health system is in the spotlight today as leaders meet in Canberra for National Cabinet. 
Chief ministers and state premiers call for more federal funding and solutions to nationwide GP shortages, increased costs and fees, long waiting lists and stained public hospi- strained public hospitals. There will also be a report presentation from a task force aimed at improving Medicare, which outlines how the government plans to spend its $750 million election promise to overhaul Medicare. Northern Territory Chief Minister Natasha Files and Southern Australian Premier Peter Malinoskas had this to say before entering the meeting. So obviously it's important that we come together as a nation, leaders from around the nation. It's a diverse nation, but we do have common issues. Uh, Additionally, uh, of course, healthcare reform is important as a health minister uh, and where health is an underlying factor in so many of the social determinants we see. The top of mind issue from the South Australian perspective is national health reform. Uh, We've got a primary healthcare system in Australia that is teetering on crisis and that is having a dramatic impact on the performance of our hospitals throughout the nation. That's true in South Australia as well. Leaders will also be updated on Indigenous closing the gap measures, energy, national firearms reform, local government and housing. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews says his focus today is pushing Medicare reform and better support. When you think about it, it's never been harder to find a bulk billing doctor, find themselves in emergency departments. They shouldn't be there, they don't need to be there. It's very difficult to put a dollar figure on this and some of this is not about money, it's about better connecting systems, better connecting services. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk says health, health challenges in her state surround general practitioner accessibility. The GP shortages, especially in rural and remote parts of Queensland, but also to in our outer suburbs, we're finding a big shortage of shortages there as well. We're utilising our pharmacists uh, more in some of these uh, more rural communities and I think there's an opportunity there um, for there to be drastic change when it comes to delivery of, of, of health care in this nation. Uh, look, just secondly, in relation to the National Firearms Registry, I'm a really keen supporter of this. A proposed new firearms registry is also being discussed at the National Cabinet and it could be funded through seized proceeds of crime or a tariff placed on firearm importers. A National Firearms Database was first suggested after the 1987 Hodo Street shooting in Melbourne and similar recommendations were made after the 1996 1996 Port Arthur shootings and the Lindt Cafe siege in 2014 in Sydney. The New South Wales opposition has threatened to refer a government move to exclude Labour electorates from urgent bushfire recovery funding to the state's corruption watchdog. A report by the state's Auditor General says Mr Barilaro's office intervened in the program and created a $1 million minimum for fast-tracked bushfire recovery projects, which cut about 10 projects from a short list, five of them from Labour electorates. Labour leader Chris Mintz says he will request a formal investigation regarding funding allocation of the Black, the Black Summer Grants Programme a culture ingrained in the marrow of the New South Wales government when it comes to pork barrelling. Very troubling independent revelations from the Auditor General that seem to indicate for the first time I think in Australian history the politicisation of rebuilding disaster grants for the people of this state. Never before have we been in a situation where grants have been awarded on the basis of political leaning. There needs to be an explanation. If there isn't by the end of the day we will refer it to the ICAC. Mr. Barry Lalo has not uh, yet uh, commented.
The chair of, disability, of the Disability Royal Commission has written a letter to each CEO of every Australian capital city airport and Australian airlines addressing standards and concerns relating to the travel safety of people with a disability. People with disability reported that they often encounter inaccessible facilities and services at airports and face unhelpful practices and systems adopted by airlines. The chair's letter includes suggestions made by people with, a, with, a, with disability to ensure that airlines and domestic airports provide a more inclusive experience for all air travellers. Defence Minister Richard Miles says he is in final negotiations on Australia's pathway to nuclear-powered submarines. Mr Miles is en route to the United States after holding talks with his British counterpart Ben Wallace and British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. He says the acquisition would change the nation's international standing. This is a huge moment in our country's history. This will change Australia's international personality. It will dramatically build our capability and with that it will build our sovereignty. Uh, But the significance of um, Britain and uh, America working together to help us uh, have that technology is, is one which in international terms is also highly significant. Australia is to unveil its plan to acquire nuclear-powered submarines through the AUKUS security agreement between Canberra, London and Washington in March. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese is reportedly planning to travel to the US to make the announcement in March with US President Joe Biden and Mr Sunak. An Italian fugitive on the run for 16 years has been found in France posing as a pizza chef. Edgardo Greco, a convicted mafia killer, has been wanted for two murders and an attempted murder during a mafia war in the early 1990s. He fled Italy after receiving a life sentence in 2006 and moved to Saint-Étienne in France where he became a pizza chef under the alias Paolo Dimitrio. After appearing in a newspaper feature for the restaurant, a joint operation between Italian military police, French authorities and Interpol was able to identify the fugitive and arrest him yesterday. Majid Khan, a Pakistani man who who has disclosed how he was tortured by the Central Intelligence Agency after the September 11 attacks, has been transferred from the Guantanamo Bay Detention Facility to Belize. The 42-year-old admitted in 2012 to conspiring with members of the Al-Qaeda to commit murder and provide terrorism support. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says the Biden administration is seeking to identify suitable future transfer countries and negotiate transfer arrangements to eventually close Guantanamo Bay facility. I can say more broadly as it relates to the Guantanamo Bay and the President's position on that, it remains dedicated, we remain dedicated to a deliberate and thorough process focused on responsibly reducing the detainee population at Guantanamo Bay and ultimately closing the facility. That is still uh, where we stand. 34 detainees, down from a peak population of 800, remain at the Guantanamo Bay facility with 20 eligible for transfer. The Australian Financial Complaints Authority and Consumer Action have welcomed the announcement of new banking initiatives that seek to address scams and fraud. The complaints body says it received more than 4,000 complaints in relation to scams at an average of around 340 a month. 
the Commonwealth Bank of Australia is introducing name check technology for money transfers and caller check, which is caller verification via the ComBank app. Consumer groups call for other banks to follow ComBank's lead in enhancing protections against scammers. The New South Wales government has appointed a new specialist careers advisor tasked with finding employment opportunities to the state's multilingual young people and boosting its interpreting and translating ranks. A first of its kind in Australia, the new advisor will work with students fluent in other languages across the high schools, community language schools and universities to show them the opportunities to work as interpreters and translators. Identified students can secure an interpreter and translating scholarship. And to sport, South Australia has launched a bid to acquire the rights to host the Cricket New Year's Test match from Sydney. This year, the New Year's Test at the SCG against South Africa was washed out due to rain. South Australian Premier Peter Malinowska says he supports the bid to move the test away from its traditional host, the Sydney Cricket Ground, to Adelaide Oval. In South Australia, we've got an amazing record of people turning out to sporting events. I think we had doubled the crowd at the Adelaide Test that we saw in the Perth Test. We often have bigger crowds than than Sydney, uh, and that's despite having a far smaller population. So South Australians are passionate about their sport. They love their cricket, myself included. Um, So we stand ready to work with Cricket Australia to improve their product to more people around the country. And now having a look at the weather around the country, Perth, sunny, 36 degrees, Adelaide, windy and cloudy, 19, Melbourne, a shower of 2 and windy, 17 degrees, Hobart, a shower of 2, 20, Canberra, partly cloudy, 17, Wollongong, mostly sunny, 27, Sydney, sunny, 31, Newcastle, much the same, 33, Brisbane, partly cloudy, 34, Cairns, a shower of 2 and a possible storm, top of 34, and Darwin, similar conditions with 31 degrees, and that is an TV Radio News. NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1 pm or anytime online. Coming up next, we explore a new federal government's plan for the arts, not just another plan but one that gives preeminence to indigenous cultures and knowledges. The program will also look at a landmark class action in Canada that will see the government pay $2.8 billion in compensation to survivors of the First Nations, to First Nations survivors of the country's residential schools. But first, we go to Western Sydney, where the indigenous all-stars will be meeting the community in a really deadly event. Join NITV Radio on Facebook. The Connecting to Country event will see the deadly men and women of NRL Indigenous All-Stars converge to Kimbawali, Aboriginal Centre for Excellence in Western Sydney, this Saturday, February the 4th, to meet the members of the thriving First Nations communities in the area. And I'm pleased to say, Kelly Langford, director of Kimbali, is joining us on NITV Radio to give us some insights into the weekend event. Welcome to NITV Radio, Kelly. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, first of all, I can't hide that uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised to learn that uh, all the big names in uh, rugby league, First Nations big men, will be flocking to Western Sydney this weekend and Kimbawali out of all places. Kimberwale is really excited to be selected by the NRL as one of the four locations in New South Wales to host the Connecting with Community event. Uh, what's really exciting is that this initiative was led by the Indigenous All-Stars players themselves. They really wanted the opportunity to genuinely engage with the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community and engage in culture before they head over to New Zealand to proudly represent Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the game of NRL. So Kimbo Ali was selected out of four different places. We're advised that Kimbo Ali was selected for several reasons. One being that we are located in Western Sydney, where we have one of the largest urban Aboriginal populations in New South Wales. We have over 24,000 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here in Western Sydney, and almost 50% of them are under the age of 24. So we've got a huge following of the NRL out here in Western Sydney, and we were so pleased that we were included in one of those four locations that were selected. When we speak rugby league and First Nations people, the first name that pops up is the Rabbitohs and Red Fun Oval, yet the All-Stars chose Kimbawali. Oh, absolutely. But we also see a lot of South Sydney jerseys being worn out here in Western Sydney, and I proudly am one of those that dons the, the Bunnies jersey. Um, and we see a lot of Western um, the Western Tigers jerseys. So we've got a really strong, passionate um, community that support our local teams, but we still have some whose heart um, lies with our South Sydney Rabbitohs team. Connecting to countries, a two-hour session. Uh, what's on the menu during those uh, two hours while the heroes are there? We've got a really exciting program jam-packed for those two hours that we have access to our All-Stars. Um, our All-Stars will be welcomed to country by our local Derek Elder and then treated to a, dig- a didgeridoo performance by some of our own Kimball Wiley students before we provide the opportunity for a range of cultural and fun activities supported by our local Aboriginal community members and the opportunity for our All-Stars to just really genuinely engage with our community through some of these fun activities that we've got arranged for them. We've got some prizes that we'll be giving away. We obviously have a sausage sizzle um, happening for everyone to, you know, be able to enjoy some lunch and um, just really wanted to keep this informal and the opportunity for our young people to see some of the superstars that exist within our proud Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. And uh, usually the most popular event for community to rub shoulders with their uh, heroes is doing the Kuri knockouts. But in the last two years, we've had disruptions with uh, lockdowns and uh, social distancing and all the restrictions due to COVID. And um, now connecting to country opens uh, new possibilities of uh, reconnecting uh, the stars with the community. Absolutely. While COVID has had an impact on the Western Sydney's community to engage, Kimberwali is proud to say that only last week we had over 2,000 Aboriginal students walk through our doors to come and collect back-to-school resources and they were supported by their families. So in all, approximately 3,500 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people walked through Kimberwali's doors 
last week and our young people engaged in face painting. They had a sausage sizzle and we had the amazing Donovan band playing to keep our families entertained. It was an amazing event. Um, and so we're really lucky, privileged and really pleased to be able to host another event so soon afterwards where our community gets to come together again to really proudly showcase their culture and our local Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander talent in front of the Indigenous All-Stars, their, their heroes and people that you know our young people aspire to be. Now, Rugby League has the largest First Nations representation out of all um, football courts in the country. With this kind of initiative, uh, more kids will uh, flock to the league and eventually take over the league. <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. And look, while we're really pleased to see that the NRL does have, you know, the largest number of our uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander players, we don't want to stop there. We hope the NRL don't uh, rest on their laurels and keep recognising the amazing talent that we have in our communities. And we do take over. That would be amazing. And uh, during connecting to country, will the kids be able to pick up some more merchandise, jerseys and uh, other goodies that uh, they love so much? We have some amazing prizes um, that we can offer to our local community who attend the event. Um, That can include some, some footballs, but we have some amazing season passes that the NRL has generously donated to us to um, give away on the day. The All-Stars will also be providing the opportunity for photos and for signings on the day as well. So it's going to be a really exciting and amazing event. And can you drop some names of the big heroes that will uh, turn up uh, this weekend at Kimbowali? Just to name a few of some of the Indigenous All-Stars that we will proudly host this weekend, we will have Josh Adokar, Shark Mitchell, Shaylee Bent, Jada Taylor, Isaiah Tass, and a few more to be confirmed that will keep a little surprise. Yeah, we'll put the word out there. I know the event is already at uh, capacity, but it's great for the fans to know who will be there and uh, who they'll be meeting on the day. And now let's come back to Kimbawali itself. I've lived in Sydney for many years, yet... Uh, I've never been to Kimbawali. I must confess, uh, I've never heard about this centre before our conversation today. Kimbawali is located on the lands of the Darug people and Kimbawali means many stars in Darug language. So I think it's only fitting that we get to host some of our Indigenous all-stars this weekend and give them the opportunity to engage with our many stars that we have in Western Sydney and help fill their cup full of culture, full of pride before we, they send, um, they go on their way to New Zealand where they go and represent us and win the series. Kelly Langford, Director of Kimbali, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today about connecting uh, to country, a deadly event hosted by Kimbali this weekend and bringing together Indigenous All-Stars and the First Nations communities in Western Sydney. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Now, members of Australia's art community have welcomed a new five-year plan for the arts and uh, culture sector. First Nations culture is at the centre of uh, the new policy. And a new body will also be created to deal with complaints on fair Play, fair pay, sexual harassment, bullying and discrimination in the industry.
Biwa Kwan reports. After six months of consultation, the federal government has formally launched the country's first major policy overhauling government funding for the arts and culture sector in a decade. Federal government funding for the arts dropped by 22.7% per capita over the past decade, even with the lift from temporary pandemic measures that were then removed in the 2021 budget by then-Treasurer Josh Frydenberg. Federal Arts Minister Tony Burke says the decision to hold the policy launch at the Melbourne Live Music Pub, the ESPY, was deliberate. Holding the launch here, it's a reminder that arts and entertainment is for everyone. Whether you're reading a thriller, a history or a poem, whether you're watching from formal allocated seating or from a mosh pit, whether you view art in a gallery or in a back lane from the side of a wall, our artists work for all of us. The so-called National Cultural Policy for the next five years, also called Revive, includes plans to double activity in the regional arts sector with a dedicated fund of $8.5 million. But the centrepiece of the policy is a focus on First Nations art and culture with a new Indigenous-led body to advise on investment in the creation of large-scale First Nations works. Aboriginal Australian soprano Deborah Cheatham performed at the policy launch. In the language of music and the language of my ancestors, the people of the Yorta Yorta Nation, we pay our respects to the people who have been long time living here. $11 million has been allocated for the rollout of First Nations languages and cultural knowledge in 60 primary schools. A national resting place will be set up to take care of First Nations ancestors returned from overseas and efforts undertaken to repatriate Indigenous artefacts from museums overseas. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese says the measures further the federal government's commitment to implement the Uluru Statement from the Heart in full. It's also important, I think, to lift ourselves above the usual economic debate. This is about our soul. This is about our identity. It is so important because it's about who we are and being able to express ourselves and about our quality of life. The First Nations-led board will sit within a new arts investment and advisory body called Creative Australia, an expanded and rebranded version of the current Australia Council. Three other entities will sit inside Creative Australia. They are Music Australia, Writers Australia and a Centre for Arts and Entertainment Workplaces. The latter will develop codes of conduct for the sector and provide advice on issues of pay and work safety. It will also handle complaints about fair pay, sexual harassment, bullying and discrimination in the industry. Government funding will be conditional on organisations following the codes of conduct. Mr Albanese says the policy also includes the creation of the role of a National Poet Laureate and the commitment to deliver a State of Culture report every three years. And we will walk the talk mandating minimum remuneration for professional artists contracted by government entities to perform at Australian government events and functions. Because as important 
as talent and inspiration are to creation and performance, so are the hundreds and thousands of hours that go into it. The arts cannot be left simply to those who can afford to do it. And authors, illustrators and editors will earn money when their e-books and audiobooks are borrowed from a library in a $12.9 million digital lending rights scheme to come into effect from July. The National Cultural Policy says there will be support for specialist arts and language education in schools and pilot funding for art and music therapy programs. Brisbane-based Taiwanese-Australia singer and songwriter Diana Lynch, known as Jaguar Jones, had input into the policy during the six months of consultation. She says she hopes the measures make a big impact on the ability of artists to have a sustainable career in Australia. It's so sad for me to see that as a domestic artist to find opportunity and sustainability uh, in our careers we need to go abroad Uh, and hopefully with this national cultural policy we'll see a movement where our domestic uh, art and music and culture is appreciated here first and then celebrated and exported internationally. Australian actress Rachel Griffiths says she's happy to see action on workplace safety. That there is an external body, I think, has been a missing part of um, keeping women and uh, people of all genders and races safe in workplaces. That's been something that's missing. So that's practical and on the table, and um, I think we'll have very real changes. Brad Yanawa, Lara Kia, Bardi and Waterman woman Francesca Cubello is the Executive Director for First Nations Arts and Culture at the Australia Council that's being expanded with the restructure into Creative Australia. She told NITV News she's not sure how her role will change but says she's pleased in particular with the crackdown on fake Indigenous art. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people have had their heritage and, and, and their um, remarkable art being utilised in ways without prior ownership, without any financial recompense or even just um, without any respect. And so legislation to address not only fake art but breaches in copyright, um, cultural and intellectual um, property rights uh, is 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 so important. Aboriginal Australian actor, playwright and screenwriter Tony Briggs says he's hopeful about the funding boost and changes but says the success of the policy will be in the implementation. It's going to take time to understand what it is that we are able to take from this collectively and put back into the soul of, this, of the nation. We need to really sit back, soak this in then get on with the job. We, we, we get on with the job anyway, and we have anyway, you know, regardless. Um, so this will just be a, a, a boost. Paul Fletcher is the federal opposition spokesman on the arts. He says he's not impressed with the policy. A lot of hype, a lot of expectations built up. Now that it's come out, we can see there's not much new and there's not much new money. A fair bit of what is in the national cultural policy is directions that the previous Morrison government was pursuing when it came to the arts. Uh, For example, the 30% offset for digital games. That makes good sense, but it's a policy that the Morrison government committed to in the 2021 budget. Uh, The emphasis on Indigenous art, uh, on Australian contemporary music, we welcome that. And of course, 
That's work the Morrison government was doing. The new policy includes $11.8 million in extra funding for the National Gallery of Australia for a pilot program to tour its collection to galleries around the country. The federal government says the May budget will provide answers on funding for long-term infrastructure repairs and collections maintenance at the National Gallery of Australia and the National Library of Australia. Biwa Kwan, SBS News. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. I'm Patron Tungandami on NITV Radio and the program is coming to you from Nam on the Kulin Nation this Friday afternoon. NITV Radio, on radio, online and mobile. As we mentioned earlier in the program, while it will cost Canada $2.8 billion to settle a class action lawsuit of former students of residential schools, the settlement seeks reparations for language and cultural laws for school survivors from 325 First Nations and builds upon the 2021 Godfrey Day Scholars Agreement. APTN's Fraser Needham has more about the settlement, which was first announced last week. John Phillips was not at Saturday's press conference given by Crown Indigenous Relations Minister Mark Miller, but he is one of the lawyers who worked on behalf of the plaintiffs, and he says the agreement is unique because it allows First Nations to spend programming dollars in ways they see best. Canada imposed the residential school policy. It, it developed curriculum. It imposed the teacher. It provided a school and it pounded the language and culture and identity out of the Aboriginal children for 70 years. What we're trying to do in some small way is to, to reverse that by letting the band decide, take the education example, what teacher, what curriculum, what school, and what program they want the children to be in. The money will be placed in a not-for-profit trust independent of government. It will be used for programming built on the four pillars of revival and protection of Indigenous languages, revival and protection of Indigenous cultures, protection and promotion of heritage, and wellness for Indigenous communities. At Saturday's press conference in Vancouver, Minister Miller said no amount of money can ever make up for what the residential school system took away, but he hopes this is a start. What it can do is help address the collective harm caused by Canada's past, a deeply colonial one, and the loss of language, the loss of culture, and the loss of heritage. Also at the press conference, former Kamloops band chief Shane Godfredson said residential schools wiped out Indigenous ways of governing, speaking, and doing. That Canada's policy of attacking our language and culture for over 120 years had devastated our own system of government government and laws and seriously impacted our language. As Chief Sparrow talked about, he doesn't speak the language. And neither do I, unfortunately. Like Miller, Phillips says no amount of financial compensation can replace what has been lost. But at the same time, the settlement agreement must be seen as significant. The answer is it's never enough. There's never going to be enough. But is this, a, is, this a, is this what we can achieve practically and really to try to get some level of reconciliation in some fixed communities? Yes. The fact of the matter is the, the $2.8 billion is a is a single line item in the federal budget. It's a big deal. The agreement will now go before the federal court for approval at the end of February. 
And that was uh, Fred Needham reporting for APTN, Aboriginal People's TV Network uh, from uh, Ottawa in Canada. NITV Radio, on radio, online and mobile. And now a beautiful story to take us into the weekend, a story that was first aired on NITV earlier this week. Well, pet birds mimicking the words of their owners are not unusual, but one budgie has become an online sensation for its uncanny ability to speak the Tangarang language of central Victoria. Now, Mr. Bicky and his owner, artist Cassie Latham, are teaching kids about the importance of language and identity. Cameron Gulli has more. Cheeky, fun-loving and a huge Metallica fan, this blue-feathered native budgie is more than meets the eye. You will be an Aboriginal budgie, yeah? Good boy. Mr Beaky's owner was shocked to realise he had picked up tongue-rung words and phrases after eavesdropping on her Zoom calls. I haven't written down every single word he says, but we're looking at over a thousand at least. Uh, we're looking, oh, you know, eight, eight, nine hundred, you know, um, Aboriginal words. The two of them now speak at schools and have written a children's book about Indigenous identity from Mr Beaky's perspective. While budgies are native birds, blue ones aren't found in the wild. One of the children actually said to me, I'm Aboriginal, but I've got really fair skin. And I said, well, I'm Aboriginal and I've got fair skin too. And Mr Beaky, he's a blue budgie, but we're still all First Nations people and he's still a native to Australia, is he not? The two are hoping to educate and inspire kids well into the future. This all just happened because, you know, of him, you know, just picking up simple little words in language and I'm hoping he can build on that um, and educate and continue his journey because it's not about me. It, It really isn't. It's about sharing and making a difference. And that story was produced by Cameron Gulley for NITV News. Join NITV Radio on Facebook. And uh, that's all we have for today. This uh, f- That's all for this program on this Friday afternoon. I'm Bertrand Tungandami. Bertrand Tungandami here. Thanking you for your company on NITV Radio this Friday afternoon. Wishing you a very beautiful and safe weekend. Till next time, bye for now. Yalu. SBS is Australia's most trusted multilingual broadcaster. Our listeners are loyal, highly engaged and have supported countless local businesses. We offer advertising packages for businesses of all sizes. Our experienced sales team will guide you through the process of owning a great campaign. Bring your own ad or have our production team make you something in one of our 68 languages. Start the conversation with your new audience today. Email sales at sbs.com.au.